Hello and welcome to The Family Business. I'm your host, Shannon. And I'm Donna. And I'm Kaz. And this week we will be discussing episode three entitled Bad Day at Black Rock. This is a comedy episode, and I I like this episode. It is one of my favorites. Can I can I break in before we go any farther? Yes. And remind you what I've said every time Gordon has ever been on screen. Should have fucking killed him. <laughs> Should have fucking killed Gordon. <laughs> Agreed. Yep. Now here's the thing too is that. I know that they, with how they set the camera up behind Gordon, and they're focusing on the visitor, that they don't want you to really know who it is. But with Supernatural having a problem with including non-white characters, especially black characters, I knew automatically who it was. It's Gordon. It's a black dude. Who else could it be? Exactly. So yeah, they. (laughs) if you want to surprise people who it is, maybe include some guys who aren't white in it. That's all I gotta (laughs) say. But this episode, we focus on a cursed item that is stolen from a storage unit that John had that apparently he never told anybody about except for Bobby. Which makes you wonder how it's getting paid for. Well, and it could be one of those things where, like, in Season 1, Episode 4, The Phantom Traveler, where the guy who called in Sam and Dean was like, hey, I knew your dad and all that. So it may be somebody that John had helped out okay. that was like, hey, I'll, I'll pay for this for you or whatever. Okay. So, But you're right. We don't know how it's getting paid for. That is what I assumed. I assumed it was somebody that John had helped, and they said, I got the storage unit. You can use it. Probably right. for that job. Like, yeah. You probably say someone from a curse item and said, I, we're going to put this somewhere. I got a place. You can use it forever. It's all good. Yes. And with this, so Sam and Dean, obviously they don't know it's there. They go, they check it out. Uh, We see that uh, whenever they open the door, there is a huge devil's trap on the floor. There's also some blood on the floor. And there's a tripwire. And so we know that John obviously booby-trapped the place and somebody fell afoul of the booby trap. When they get into the main area which was locked with a huge chain within this storage unit, Sam and Dean start finding things from their childhood. Yeah. Dean finds the sawed-off shotgun that he made, the first one, in the sixth grade. Hooray. Yep. And there is also Sam's division uh, soccer tournament trophy that John kept in there. Yeah, that was kind of a nice moment. It was, except for Dean ruined it by saying that that was the closest that Sam ever came to being a boy. Once again, we've had an entirely (laughs) different take on it, because I felt like that was Dean saying that was the closest you came to being normal. See, with his tone of voice, the way that I got it was the toxic masculinity coming out. I I have to agree with Shannon. I I think that was more along the lines of, like, that was was the last time he showed any manhood at all. Pretty much, yes. Kind of thing. Which, you know, I mean, they've been hunting together, they fought things together, but it's just that, you know, that Dean ripping his brother kind of deal. Okay. Because in Dean's eyes, I mean, with Sam wanting an education, being a computer nerd, all of those things, those aren't manly, and so... Can you say that with any more contempt? I (laughs) might be able to. You never know. So, yeah, I just, I thought it was a negative thing, how he was saying it. fair enough. But we're also introduced in this episode to curse boxes, and we learned that what they are is warded boxes that hunters and maybe other people use in order to store cursed objects. And the cursed object in this case is a quote-unquote lucky rabbit's foot. It definitely affects luck. 
as Z has mentioned in previous episodes, when they start talking about voodoo, yes. they're usually pretty dead on. Right. And this this is another example. Typically, with a with a hoodoo rabbit's foot, it's the left rear foot. Mm-hmm. It has to be the left rear foot. Interesting. And the rabbit has to be either captured or killed in a graveyard. And this episode spe- said specifically Friday the 13th on a full moon. On a full moon. That's yep. not necessarily true, though. It does mention that sometimes it's a specific day. But the thing I found interesting is that, if possible, you should kill the rabbit on a grave. And the meaner the person was, the better. Interesting. So you find the meanest person in the graveyard and you kill the bunny on their grave. And then you cut off their foot. And just run, bunnies. Just just, Especially in the graveyard. Just run. If you see a graveyard, just just turn left. Just turn right. Just don't go in it. Don't go there. Yeah. If you see people waving you in, get out of there. (laughs) Don't trust them. Uh, So, yeah, anyway, once again, when it comes to hoodoo, they're usually dead on. Right. So with this lucky rabbit's foot... Whenever the person touches it, they automatically become a part of the curse, and they start out with great luck. Uh, we see where Sam, you know, is scratching off tickets that, that he didn't buy, but he's scratching off lottery tickets and is still winning money. Things kind of go greatly his way whenever they are fighting the two guys who stole the curse box after he has grabbed the rabbit's foot. So we get all of this, but then they make a phone call to Bobby, and Bobby's like, yeah, it starts out great, but if you lose it, and the person always loses it, then it's bad luck, and we find out that it was made by, or made with the intention of killing people. And we get to see that very vividly with the crook who falls backwards onto a huge fucking steak fork sticking out of the dish trainer. I want to talk briefly about about craft, though. Because on our writer's podcast, The Murder of Storytellers, we talked about building tension. Mm -hmm. And that scene was... Because first you see the wine bottle on the floor. Right. And he steps over it. Yeah. And then you see the fork and you're like, oh shit... And then he takes the fork out and he puts it in the trainer. Oh. And then it just you just can't take your eyes off that fork. Oh. And that scene just goes on and on. Yes. And yes. On. yes. You know what's going to happen. You're not surprised. No. <laughs> but it just becomes very tense. Yeah. It becomes like uh, it becomes like watching a prequel. Like, you know what's going to happen. You're just like, when? When? <laughs> How? Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, God. It was, it was horrific. And then, of course... Almost the the fade to black with it whenever it happens, and you're like, oh, okay, we got past the worst of it. And then whenever they, whenever the friend wakes up and actually comes in, then you get to see it in all of its wonderful red blood covered gore, Berkeley. sticking out of the guy's mouth through the back of his head, and it's just like, yeah, I could have really done without that. Thanks a lot. Oh God, it was bad. That's why they don't touch cursed items, people. Yes, just don't cut, don't touch them. Yes. Uh, So with this episode, not only do we get Gordon being brought back in and recruiting people to his cause, but we also find out just kind of like in the middle of a conversation that the mysterious blonde-headed woman's name is Ruby. Do we? Yes. Whenever they're driving in the car, her name is revealed and... She is nowhere around. We kind of just get thrown into the conversation and they reveal that her name is Ruby. I must have missed that. Okay. Yeah. Because it wasn't revealed in the last episode, but it was revealed in this one as mm. just part I also of missed that. normal conversation. I mean, I already knew it, so maybe I just glossed over it. That's right. probably what happened. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, her name is revealed as Ruby. 
and of course, name for a demon. Do what? It's an odd name for a demon. Well, I'm. I like that. There's also Meg. I like that it's red, though. I like yeah. that you have Ruby, and Ruby's you know are red, and you have Hellfire and all that sort of thing. Okay. So right. it's sort of uh, you know if you had a if you had a Ruby in front of Hellfire, sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. And so Dean learns that she's a demon, and Dean learns that Sam is going to or has been offered the hey I can help get your brother out of the crossroads deal. And Dean's like, dude, what, what the fuck is wrong with you? What did I tell you, man? <laughs> yeah. And, of course, Sam gets upset, and he's like, you know, I'm playing her, all of this. Which yeah. always just goes so well whenever you're trying to double-cross somebody in the supernatural universe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we've neglected to mention the significant character also introduced in this episode. Which is Bella. Bella. Legos. Talbot. <laughs> well, it's funny you say yeah. Legosi because we do get the, the parallel drawn there. The Legosi line, yeah. Yes. So, but yeah, uh, Bella is played by Lauren Cohan, who you most likely, if you watch it, recognize as Maggie from The Walking Dead. And Donna and I were talking before the podcast, and it's funny because in Supernatural, Lauren Cohan is using her natural British accent, whereas in The Walking Dead, she's using an American accent, which is not natural for her. Even though she was born in America, she shortly moved, or her parents moved her to Great Britain shortly after she was born. Don't you think it's weird that they have so many British actors on The Walking Dead? It's really funny, yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I know we're kind of segueing, but pretty much the a lot of the principal cast is from Great Britain. yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I thought it was very interesting that the Southern Sheriff was from Great Britain. Yeah. I was like, wow. I was like, like I would have no idea yeah. if I had not heard him in an interview. Because yep. I was like, what? Hearing so, the, good job, Lincoln. Yeah, hearing Andrew Lincoln talk for the first time in his real voice, I was like, what the fuck? But, of course, that was like the first time I ever heard Lucy Lawless talk with her natural Australian accent, I was like, that is so fucking weird. So, <laughs> Or James Marsters without a British accent. Yes. Or um, Alexis Denishoff yes. without a British yeah. accent. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're just pulling in every other fandom here to talk <laughs> about right now. Sorry, but, so Supernatural. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, she is going to be a recurring character. And we find out that basically what she is is a person who knows about the world of hunting. She knows that all of the supernatural stuff is real. And she uses that as a way to get rich and make money. She had an interesting line that every time I've seen this episode, I have to stop and go, but, but wait, when, when Dean is kind of mocking her, so, so you became a thief. Mm-hmm. And she says, oh, being a hunter is so much more noble. A bunch of sociopaths fighting to save a world you can't save. And I'm thinking, outside of the sociopath part, that kind of is the definition of noble. Mm. Fighting to do good, even though... Even if with a lost cause. Right. Yeah. yeah. But from from her point of view, I mean, it's... Wasted it, It's wasted endeavor, yeah. yeah. I mean, she's doing something. She realizes, basically, that, you know, she's going to hell and she's okay with it. I'm just going to have fun with it while I can. And because she constantly brings up the fact that this rabbit's foot is worth $1.5 million. Yeah. And that is what she's focusing on. Well, speaking of $1.5 million, she's supposed to live in Queens. Did you see her apartment? Oh, yeah. That was fucking it was like, amazing. It was huge. I thought, yes. ma- I thought magic was going on, honestly. <laughs> the first time I saw it, I was like, well, what kind of magic spells are going on here? 
You're going to yeah. walk up and see, like, you know, a Harry Potter kind of door, and all of a sudden, whoa. Yeah. You've and got no. that kind of space in New York City. Oh, yeah. You have money. Yeah. You're doing well. Well, and, I mean, if she's selling, you know, a little trinket for $1.5 million, I mean... You know, yeah. and and she's a known entity too. She's been around for a while to the point where I mean, Bobby knows who she is. She has a reputation, so mm-hmm. I mean, I would say that it would fit with her character that she yeah. is going to. Oh yeah, it made sense that it was so that. big. I just thought the same thing. I was like, what? Yeah. yeah. But uh, I do like that we are getting into, and it seems more so in this season than any other season because we had Joe was in season two, correct? Yes. Yeah, so Joe was in season two, and they're trying to close the Devil Gate and all that sort of stuff. But now with the introduction of the two hunters Ezekiel and no wait I'm getting that wrong the couple that fought the seven demons Tamara Tamara yeah uh, and, and Isaac Isaac that's yes. what it was okay we have the introduction of them and now we're starting to see you know Ruby shows up she says I'm a hunter and Sam's like alright he like believes her right. you know he did see her slay some demons so he goes okay so it is believable that there are not just those two, but this one. And then we have the hunter that's coming after Sam. The don't play with my Jesus guy. Yes. <laughs> Whose name I never caught. I don't Kubrick. Think... Kubrick. Kubrick, okay. yes. I could never catch it. He so. said it when, that, when when he said it to him through the glass. I was like, is he making a movie reference for a second here? Like, I want you to Kubrick this guy. And then I thought, I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, do you launch him into space for 2,001 years? Or, you know, is this an ice wide shut thing? What's going on here? What's and Running like, through a hedge maze and freezing to death? Running through a hedge maze, you know? <laughs> yeah, freezing to death. What's going on here? And I was like, wait a minute. What if that's just his name? And then I thought, oh, okay, well. All that thought power for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but it did give us the great line, don't play with my Jesus. D- yes. yes, I did love that very much. And I loved how long that scene went on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, it took me a moment to realize that the face was concave, yeah. and that's why he was turning it back and forth, is because he's like, what the fuck is going on with this? <laughs> because the eyes are always watching. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's a great illusion. I love it. It is. All right, guys. Well, at this time, we are going to go ahead and take a break. We would really appreciate it if you would go visit us on iTunes or Google Play and give us a rating, a review, and a subscribe. That really helps us out and makes it easier for other people to find us. And after you've done that, you can interact with us on social media. We would love to chat with you. On Twitter, you can find us at TFB underscore SPN Fancast. On Instagram, you can find us at the Family Business underscore SPN Fancast. And we're also on Facebook at Snarkcasts. And you can check out all of our sister podcasts and other cool stuff can be found at GumbyCatNetworks.com. Once more with feeling, the 20th anniversary Buffyverse fancast, Collective Snark, and Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, a good ghoul's guide to horror. Alright, well Donna, do you want to go ahead and touch on the female aspect of the episode? We've got some reference to Ruby, and I, I never really include Ruby in this because Ruby's a demon. And as I've mentioned before, I'm not completely sure demons even have a gender. But we do have... I was just about to call her Maggie. <laughs> we, we do have Bella, and I love that Bella is tremendously competent. Yes. Bella is very coming. Even after she got beat by grabbing the rabbit's foot, she still managed to steal those lottery tickets. Yes. Yeah. So Bella is very competent, 
and I think she's a good foil for for the guys. Yeah, I agree. Um, she manages to stay a step ahead of them for a lot of this. There's a couple of significant moments. I think I mentioned the more noble comment, which is something that stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. She makes the we're all going to hell comment, which, and we may get the spoiler police dinging me here in a minute, but that's a significant line, and you should remember that. Yes. She's just a great character. Yeah, I've got some comments about her, too. I liked uh, that, especially with the grabbing of the lottery tickets, this... Uh, if a deal goes south, you make it work somehow. Yeah, you know, you make it work somehow. You don't, you don't just go, oh, it's over and fail. Like it was a great move, and, and I, I laughed out loud when Dean, you know, yelled out, "Son of a bitch!" Yeah. One other thing that I really like about Bella's character is that, I mean, she's very obviously a woman. She's very obviously feminine, but with that. She's not sexualized, and she's not given this, oh, I'm a petite little, you know, woman, oh, tee-hee-hee, you know. No, she's a kick-ass character who, as you said, is a great foil to Sam and Dean. She holds her own against them, Mm -hmm. and I think that she is a great character overall. She's also using her knowledge of the supernatural to get what she wants, specifically in whenever she steals a rabbit foot, because they assume that it's based on luck. Right. And she knows that they're going to assume that. Right. So she uses to you know, she uses this knowledge not to kill things, but to steal things, which was really, really cool. And uh, yeah, when she first came up, I was like, I know her, but I don't. <laughs> I know her, but I don't because she had the wig on. Right. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. She did she did rock that wig. Yeah. yeah she did like, really good. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk about Sam's turn of luck. Because this gives us one of the most iconic supernatural scenes and sayings in that Sam steps in gum and is trying to clean it off of his shoe, which he then proceeds to lose through a grate, a storm storm drain, and Dean turns around and looks at him and Sam is just so dejected and says... I lost my shoe. He just, he turns into this pathetic little boy. He does. Which for a six foot tall, six foot four man is a little tricky to turn into a little boy. But he manages it. It is. And it's just, it's so sweet and it's so endearing and you just feel so bad for him. And it's one of those scenes where I, I, I remember the scene, you know, I, I remember that I lost my shoe. And, but I can never remember that it's in this episode. But it's just, it's such an amazing thing mm-hmm. whenever Dean, his luck turns. Dean's reaction just, just cracked me up. Oh! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just I, I loved huffs off camera. Oh! When he was sitting in the hotel room and the air conditioner broke. And he's, he's just going, but I, I didn't. I, I didn't touch it. I just. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just like, it's not fair. (laughs) Right. Now, with that scene, right before that, we get Bobby telling Dean, keep an eye on your brother, take care of him, all this. So what does Dean do? He leaves Sam alone in a fucking hotel room, just basically sets him in a chair and says, don't move. Okay, where do most accidents happen? In the home. Where do most accidents in the home happen? In the fucking bathroom. What's going to happen whenever Sam needs to go pee and falls and hits his head on the goddamn, you know, porcelain sink and bashes his brains in? Well, that's what's going to happen. You just said. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so I just, I felt that it was kind of a, 
a shoddy writing thing. I mean, I understand why they did it. They had to get them separate. They had to get Sam captured, all of that. But at the same time, it's like, come on, dude. Bobby just said, keep an eye on it. Yeah. They crossed my mind, too. What is keep an eye on that sort of stuff. And I, I sort of wondered, did Dean think, you know what, this will be the safest thing? And I'm like, oh, uh, yeah. It, it didn't feel quite right to me, but, uh, but we did get the great uh, firefight yes. against the uh, air conditioner out of it. And I was like, I don't know if I should forgive you, but I'm enjoying this. Well, I do wonder how much the production had to pay in extra insurance costs to set their star on fire. I'm sure it was probably a lot. Because you don't usually see the star right. on fire. Well, and two, yeah. I mean, it's long enough that those flames had grown pretty high by the time Jared had lifted his arm up. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, I'm, I'm sure they paid quite a penny mm-hmm. to do that. There was, I wrote a note at one point that's, for fuck's sake, Sam, don't lean back. Because he's he's in his chair in the hotel room and he's rocking back yes. up onto the, <laughs> the two legs of the chair. And I was... Well, and that may be another one of the tension things, like with the steak fork, in that it's like, okay, well, when's he going to fall over? Because you hear all the teachers all the time, you're going to fall over and you're going to crack your skull open and all of that. Mm-hmm. And that's what is expected, I'm sure, from that scene, is that he's going to fall over and crack his skull open. Now, I want to go back to Gordon real quick. All right, let's go back should have fucking Gordon. killed him. You should have fucking killed him. But not only that... <sighs> I know that we don't always go for realism in TV shows, but what you should know is if you are ever in prison or if you are visiting somebody who is in prison, if you are talking to somebody through the glass with that little telephone thingy, they record those conversations unless you're talking to your lawyer. So don't say, hey, I want you to go murder somebody when you're talking to them with that little phone thingy. Or I want you to break me out. Yeah, don't do yeah. that because they record that shit. So if somebody does a podcast right now, like, oh man, I gotta change my plans Thursday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you're welcome. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for the tip. Yeah, don't don't do that because they record that shit. But yeah, Gordon Gordon is crazy. But I think that Gordon realizes that Kubrick is just a little bit more fucking crazy than Gordon is. Yeah. Because Gordon hears the oh, basically I'm on a mission from God thing. And his eyes, the way that he just looks at Kubrick, he's like, oh, fuck, dude. You know, so, yeah, Gordon met somebody crazier. But then it shifts just a little bit, because there's that moment, and he's like, but I can use this person. Exactly. You know, which is is chilling. Yeah. Because that's that's very much, you're like, oh, you've got really strong belief. That's excellent. Yeah. I'm going to give that actor credit for that, because there is a moment where you can see him wanting to go, oh, you need to fuck right off. Except... Right. Well, because Gordon believes that Sam is the Antichrist. Yeah. And Kubrick now believes that he's on a mission from God, so who better to take out the Antichrist than a fucking religious zealot, you know? Yeah, and Kubrick had, um... He didn't have very many lines, especially when it comes to Sam. Right. But, you know, because most of it's just talking to Gordon, and most of it's talking to his other buddy or whatever. But whenever they're in there, and Sam... I can't remember the question he asked. He asked him some questions. Sam says, I don't know. And he stands up and goes, lie, 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 lie. Yes. I was like, whoa. It was <laughs> yeah. really good. I was he like, was. That, was, that was creepy. Good job, dude. Yeah. He was a really good comedic actor yeah. for having a really kind of, he looks like he probably plays a lot of tough guys. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. But he was a really good comedic actor. Yeah. 
there was what I think was a Dirty Harry reference with Dean's little speech about how I can read people. Dirty Harry may be old enough, but he's got that famous Do You Feel Lucky part. Right. And if you ever doubted if Clint Eastwood is a good actor, go see him. He delivers that speech twice, Do You Feel Lucky Punk, and one time is clearly intended to talk the suspect down. Right. And the second time is clearly intended to make the suspect run. But it's, the I mean, word for word, the same speech. Right. And so uh, Dean kind of did the same thing with the I can read people, you're a thief. Right, not a murderer. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, Bella blows it out of the water by shooting Sam. Yeah. Yep. And maybe it wasn't a Dirty Harry reference, but that's I, what it reminded me I, of. It reminded me of that a little bit, too. I thought it was a bit of an homage, so to speak, because we are dealing with Lucky. Yeah. And I think they wanted to be like, we don't want to be too far on the nose, but like we'll just throw this in there for yeah. anybody to sort of pick up. I think yeah. you're right. I so Because right. that I, I don't think Dean has ever said that. Mm-mm. I don't think so. So that seemed like something for this episode. I yeah. thought, okay, well, what's going on this episode? You know, like, yeah. And I gotta say, whenever he, when he beat Bella, when he when he threw it, he caught it, and she snagged it. I thought I would have done that. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what I, I would be like. This thing's coming at me. Bam! <gasps> no. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing too, though. At the point where Bella shoots Sam. Dean still has the rabbit's foot. He's still lucky. Why didn't he just walk right up to her where obviously the gun is going to jam or whatever? Because, I mean, if he if he gets up to her fast enough, she he's the only target that she can hit. So, But I do like the fact that he did get her involved in it. Like, okay, you're in the stakes now, so fuck you, lady. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, so, it was a really clever way to get through it uh, to use her own greed against her, her yes. own reflexes against her. Yeah. And, and I think... I think you're right. It's possible he could have just rushed her. Right. And they could have had a fight, and he obviously would have won because he had the lucky rabbit's foot. Right. But right. I think this was it just... Have been as cool. It wouldn't have cool. It just wouldn't have been as no. cool. Yeah. No. I, we've, we've seen him beat up enough monsters and stuff that <laughs> right. I was like... And it yeah. was it was neat them all being in the same boat. Like, hey, you're yeah. with us now. Just I like, love yeah. her damn, which com- conveyed completely. She, <laughs> yeah. she yeah. realized instantly yeah. that like, she had lost. Just... Yep, she's like, that's 1.5 million gone. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then Dean, after we get all of this resolved, Dean utters one of my favorite lines, and I don't remember where the first place was that I heard this, but it's one that I use quite frequently is, don't go away mad, just go away. <laughs> and I just, I loved how smart-ass he was whenever he said that to her. And, of course, then, you know, it bites him in the ass because she steals $46,000 in lottery yeah. tickets. Son of a bitch! Yeah. <laughs> My other favorite line that Dean delivers is whenever they're in the hotel room and he throws the pin into the gun barrel and he knocks him out with the, the remote yes. control and everything. I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I just, I love it because Jensen has a way of delivering those goofy lines in such a way that just, number one, makes you love him. But at the same time, it's just like, that is quintessential Dean. You know beyond a shadow of a doubt that is exactly what he would say in that uh-huh. scene. So I thought I thought those were both great lines. It's just a really fun episode. It is. Um, oh, yep. It's 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 got that uh, especially that moment when he throws the the pin. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, if you look at it from tactically, he throws the pin and he should tackle him whatever. But he throws the pin and he is just like, oh my god, that's <laughs> yeah. amazing. Yeah. Look at those you, bad guys. Did you see that? And the dude runs out and he's like, I'm gonna step aside. Bam. Yep. 
Yeah. And I was like, that. that's definitely Dean. That's yeah, Dean. Yeah, absolutely. A very great episode. And you know, the thing is, is, without being spoilery, I think some of the best Supernatural episodes are whenever they bring in a lot of the comedic elements. The the one, and again, I'm trying to, but where, where Dean is very afraid. Yes, that is exactly what I'm thinking of, too. That's, we'll get there eventually, because oh, that yeah. is an amazing episode. I know what you're talking about now. I was like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yes. So, yes, great things to look forward to. Was this the first time that Bobby has called them idiots? I think so. I think I don't remember it happening before. I was, I was wondering about that, too. Is it, yeah, take care of your brother, you idiot. Yes. I believe it is. Mm-hmm. So, we're starting a tradition. Yes. Idiot. Yep. <laughs> I have a note about, I think it's when they... It's either when Dean bursts into the thieves' apartment or when he bursts into the hotel room with Sam. They put a really nice key light on him. And he's such a pretty boy with this nice key light on his eyes. I didn't notice that. I did. Interesting. Because he's got such pretty blue eyes. Well, yeah. But, I mean, it would stand to reason that I would see it, too, but I guess I just wasn't yeah. paying attention to it. Hmm. Interesting. You okay. Just, well, you just don't love him as much as I do. <laughs> I'm more, yes, I'm more of a Jared Sam guy, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, guys, we want to thank you for joining us this week, and we invite you to come back next week when we will be discussing episode four entitled Sin City. So, until then, carry on. Jerk. Bitch. Gumby Cat Productions. Podcasts for podcast people. Meow. Meow.